Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, Quality and superior on-track performance. Think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 94. It is the third week of March, and it has been a couple weeks since I've had an episode out and uh, gotten with you and talked a little drag racing um, and I did what is absolutely the cardinal sin of podcasting the last week and a half ago which is I lost my voice Uh, so it made it difficult if not impossible to put out a podcast um, and it made a few people happy I'm not gonna lie Uh, there's a couple people that were really happy um, that I couldn't talk and then a handful of people thought that I was mad at them. So you know how that works. You have to uh, deal with everybody's emotions with when it comes to that. But uh, I am very happy to say my voice has made a full return. And we have a great episode for you to get back at it and get rolling again. Uh, man, and I will tell you this... This, uh, man, this year, this last several weeks has felt an awful lot alike the year 2020. I'm not going to lie. There are weird things happening right now. We have full boatloads of cars that are burning in the bottom of the sea. I don't know if you saw that. There's a bunch of electric cars uh, that came across. I think they were all Volkswagens. They were on a big ship. There were almost like 4,000 cars. They caught fire, um, and they're still burning to this day in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, So, I mean, there's that, Um, and it looks like we are very close to World War III. Um, Man, I never thought I was going to say that in my lifetime, but it feels like we're getting pretty close to that. There was actually an asteroid that hit Iceland, this week Um, and even weirder than an asteroid hitting the earth was the fact that the way the reporter described it was saying that it is half the size of a giraffe now 
I'm I, I could be entirely wrong, but I have never in my life measured something in giraffes. And I'm not going to start right now, but if you are a person that likes to measure things in giraffes, uh, that asteroid was half of one. So there we have that. And then our politicians were up to it again. They spent less than 24 hours reading 2,278 pages of laws that happened to have $14.5 billion of aid that went to Ukraine. Uh, they passed that overnight. Um, I, I don't know about you. I couldn't read 20 pages of legal documents in 24 hours and, and agree to every single word. Uh, our lawmakers uh, did 2,278 pages in less than 24 hours. So good for them, uh, bad for us once again. So it feels a lot like 2020 again. Um, very wild, very wild stuff. But uh, the good news is, guys and girls, that racing season is here. It started. We've got a lot of great racing action. And on our show today is a Division Three top sportsman standout, Chris Osborne. I cannot wait to have him on. And then also Tom Deary from the PRI Road Tour is uh, making an appearance um, as he's out traveling uh, the country for uh, the performance racing industry. And I love it. Uh, appreciate him doing that. So guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on. Get strapped in. Because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get this thing hot. Let's put this thing in the water box, guys, girls, and let's talk about minimum weights in top sportsman and top dragster and how ultimately ridiculous they are right now. And it's a topic that I've been meaning to touch on for a while, and I know there's good intentions behind them. But sometimes, and this is one of those things that has happened, they have worn out their usefulness and are unrequired anymore at this time. There's simply no reason to run top sportsmen and top dragsters across the scale anymore. Uh, unless you're trying to delete competitors for uh, nonsensical reasons. And I don't think... Any of the associations out there are really trying to do that. I truly believe that at some point, weights were important and nobody has gone back in time and said, hey, we should take these rules out. And it happens all the time. There, were, We elect lawmakers all the time, but we never elect law takers away, which is really what we should be doing. I mean, the there's too many laws out there. There's too many rules, but it... It expends energy that we don't truly have sometimes to take away laws. And I think that is exactly what's happened in the weights and the parameters for top sportsmen and top dragster. They're silly. They're, they're truthfully very silly. Um, we are talking about bracket races. And I would say this. If there wasn't a minimum 
number to run, maybe, maybe you could convince me that there is a reason to have minimum weights. But when there is a minimum time, 610, there's there's no reason for it anymore. Uh, let people be as light as they can. That is, there's no safety issue with that. Um, so from that standpoint, we should be eliminating those all those rules from the playbook. We should just be, there's no reason to be going crossing scales or anything like that. All the combinations have the ability to run very, very quick. And so what we're doing is just creating unnecessary uh, regulation, unnecessary monitoring, and I'm not exactly sure who gets any benefit out of this thing at all at this point in time. Now, I know that at some point in time we had some safety concerns about you know, do we want combinations that are getting too light? And I would argue this. Um, if the issue is that there's a bad combination, it's too heavy, wouldn't we want it lighter so that um, if, for whatever reason, it uh, gets out of control, it is more easily maintained? And so I will listen to the com the conversation, I guess, about why but not too long because if it gets too too in detail then you have to start uh you know bringing up what's the map you know like you have the map and you try to connect all these dots um the conversation should be really short here's the reason why we need them and i haven't heard that from anybody and to me it is high time to get rid of weights um all across the board in top dragster and top sportsman there is no need for it and from that standpoint, uh, we should just be letting people run stuff as light as they want. If you want to run something extremely light, good for you. You still can't go under the minimum dial. So I'm not sure what we're talking about when it comes time to, uh, you know, regulate and try to expel racers for something that is ultimately meaningless in a bracket race. <laughs> All right, let's put this thing in the beams today and bring on a guy from Oakland, Michigan. He is a top sportsman standout in Division Three, and he is the Director of Operations and Engineering for Pack Racing Springs. Please welcome to the show, Chris Osborne. Chris, how are you doing, man? Well, hi, Rex. Uh Thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be on your podcast. That's for sure. Well, Chris, I will tell you this. Um, you you were the first person to uh, kind of really surprise me about the the breadth of the show, if that makes any sense. We were at PRI several years ago, and I I asked you a question about something uh, you know nonsensical. I don't even remember what I asked you, and you said you're Rex Simmermaker, right? And I I took a, you know, I, I jumped back a little bit. I was like, Hey, who wants to know, you know, thinking I had done something wrong. And, uh, I, I always, uh, remembered that moment. I was like, Hey, uh, the word is getting out in the fast brackets podcast. So, uh, I, I am uh, very happy to have you on and because, uh, we have to talk some racing. <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that kind of eat, breathe, uh, sleep, everything drag racing, especially. And, uh, you know, since I'm doing the top sportsman thing, you know, it's just just kind of naturally drawn to your podcast there. Well, I'm I'm glad uh, you were, and uh, that was a, a quite a 
pleasant surprise, but uh, um, getting away from that a little bit and into your racing career, talk to us a little bit about um, you know how you got into racing, and because right now you're doing top sportsman the division three. Uh, and man, it, we know what a murder's row that is. So, uh, take us way back and, and, uh, talk to us about your, you know, how you got into racing. Well, I'm actually from Indiana. So, you know, Indiana, you're, you're really only known for two things, basketball and, uh, racing. And my basketball talent ran out long ago. So I figured <laughs> I'd uh, try to figure out how to go fast and, uh, you know, I mean, being around the Indy 500, you know, you kind of know about that. And, of course, the U.S. Nationals. And, uh, you know, my, my dad was into racing and, uh, you know, didn't really do much other than, you know, just like working on cars and got me into it. And then uh, as soon as I uh, got my license, I think that first night after I could drive on my own, I was drag racing somebody. So <laughs> it's been uh, going, you know, for a long time now. And, uh, yeah, just started bracket racing out of high school and, uh, you know, just uh, slowly trying to figure out how to make the thing go faster and faster and faster up until we're doing the, the crazy things that we're doing now. Yeah, so if you were um, growing up in Indianapolis, where'd you, where did you first start racing? Was it IRP or did you uh, go to Bunker Hill, Muncie? Where, where was the, your home track, so to speak? Um, <clears throat> probably raced more at Muncie than anywhere, but it was usually a toss up between Muncie and uh, IRP. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what was that? What was that first car you took down the track? It was my very first car. It was a 1977 Camaro that, uh, my dad and I hauled out of a junkyard and rebuilt and started putting bigger and bigger engines in it. Yeah. Just, I mean, the way you're supposed to do it, right? I mean, you're supposed to haul something home from a junkyard at least that's the way it was with me um my dad and i spent way too much time in junkyards uh getting parks and you know uh making them work but uh yeah i mean that's those were some fun days right putting all that stuff together oh yeah i mean i'm old school i mean you know i'm used to you know tromping around junkyards trying to find uh solar heads with the right numbers on them and blocks and you know trying to find whatever trick parts you could and you know, cutting the old rusty uh, parts off the car to lighten it up. And, you know, just it's not like that today. But yeah, that's that's where we used to do it back then. Right, and and I've seen your uh, your top sportsman car. It is uh, nothing of the sort. There's no you know rusty old parts on it. Um, but but the way <laughs> I understand it, um, you you've still kept that um, you know that kind of uh, spirit alive. I mean, you built that whole thing right? Um, every part you, you put together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those guys. It's like, you know, I see what some of the other stuff out there and, uh, you know, kind of look at and it's like, I think to myself, Hey, I I can do that. You know? So, you you know, you buy the, the welder, learn how to weld, you, you know, buy the grinders and learn how to cut notch tubing. And then, you know, I've kind of got the the whole engineering thing in my uh, background. So, you know, you start, studying it and analyzing what other people have done and what you want to do and, you know, just start going to town trying to make a car. And uh, that, that's probably one of the most gratifying things is, you know, be able to put a car together, you know, design it, weld it, um, you know, and have it actually move on its own. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so so walk us through that. I mean, did you uh, did you buy a kit from somebody and put it together? How did, how did that all come together? Well, this is actually the, the 69 that I got now is actually the second car that I really built like that. Um, the first one was a 2000 Camaro that took me a very long time to do. 
but yeah, it's basically buying a body. Um, and then, um, you know, I bought a, I bought a kit and, you know, kind of uses a, a lot of the parts from, uh, quarter max, Rick Jones and uh, mm-hmm. Tim McCamus and, uh, Jerry Bickle and, you know, just kind of looking at them and it's like, you know, I like that. I don't like that. And, uh, so it's kind of a conglomeration of, uh, you know, a lot of their ideas, a lot of things I kind of come up with my, on my own to, uh, put something together that seemed like it would be, you know, really suited to a top sportsman configuration there. And, you know, trying to make it so, you know, hey, if I'll get a bigger motor, because I don't really run a very big motor compared to a lot of those guys. And, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, have room for growth down the road there. But, yeah, it's just, you know, kind of sucked me in and uh, hasn't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. It it they do kind of uh get a life of their own, right? And you just keep um making them uh more and more powerful. What talk to us a little bit about the power plant and transmission, et cetera, in this thing. Um, well, really I've just got a small motor. I'm probably one of the smallest motors in the class. It's just a five ninety eight big block Chevy, but uh I pour the coals to it as far as nitrous goes. Um, you know, I got to do something to try to compete with those seven, eight, nine hundred inch motors. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of what it is. Um, it's Power Glide. Um, it's got a floater rear end, you know, kind of a high end, and then uh, it's a double frame rail car. Okay. Uh, all carbon fiber. Um, you know, floors carbon. You know, carbon wheel tubs. You know, a lot of. I learned how to weld titanium, so I made some titanium pedals. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Um, a few other titanium uh, pieces there, just to uh, <clears throat> really excuse me. Yeah, no worries. I and I know you know even with that five ninety eight though, Chris. I, um, I, I'm going by memory here, and it's been a, a long winter, uh, I would say. But if I remember right, you were running um, uh, mid to high sixes, right, six sixties or something around that. Or is that what you're typically dialed in? So I mean, that five ninety eight is moving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of where we've been. Um, we actually, towards the end of last year, we got a 659 out of it. Finally. Okay, all right. And and we got over a 210. So that was kind of some goals that we wanted to hit uh, last year, and we finally got that. So that was, uh, you know, one of those little milestones that you set for yourself, and uh, we actually got it. So so that, that was pretty cool, because I don't know of any other 598s that uh, went a 659 out there. So, you that... know, we're going we're gonna to keep that that sounds like a lot of nitrous that you're throwing at that thing. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I probably use four or five pounds of run. So. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Um, I I remember going to the dentist several years ago, and he he was uh, he, he told me he was going to throw all the kits at me uh, to knock me out. And that sounds like that's what you're doing. You're you're giving uh, that that thing the dentist treatment uh, you know, every time it goes down the track. Yeah, I've only got two kits on it, or I've got three kits on it now, but I've only used two, but I think I've maxed out both of those, so, uh, you know, if we get everything going good and uh, I get some guts this year, I'm going to turn that third one on, see what we can really do with it, and hopefully we just don't melt it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and right now, I mean, it's 660 is such a, I mean, that's a, it's a great pass, and, and you can qualify, and, and very consistent at that level as well. I mean, I, I, I've seen your car make good passes, and it, it seems happy in that level anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is amazingly consistent. I mean, there's weekends I've gone where I've looked back, and it's like it's only varied like 
six, eight thousandths of a second over, you know, the whole thing. So I don't know if I'm just, you know, not worrying about the weather and I'm just breathing so much nitrous, it doesn't matter. But uh, um, that's been one of the really cool things that's uh, going on with that car. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. I mean, you know, just uh, to to be as consistent with it, it seems like that car is very, very happy. So um did yeah. did you have to do anything to it over the the winter time i mean uh, we're always tinkering with these things and trying to make them a little bit better did you, did you uh were you able to keep your hands off it or did you have to dig in oh no that car's all scattered apart right now and, uh, <laughs> of course <laughs> I, I i was doing a little uh damage to the motor there so uh we, we've had to figure out how to seal it up a little bit better and uh, of course put new rods in it new springs and uh uh, new rings and, you know, just freshen it all up. And, uh, you know, same thing with transmission shocks, just kind of do the whole PM, you know, front to back on it just to make sure we're good to go for next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, why don't you tell our listeners what you do every day for a living? Cause I, I think that's, uh, pretty fascinating for what we do. Yeah, actually. I mean, I do probably have one of the coolest jobs out there is, uh, uh, I work with springs, and uh, for most people, that sounds pretty boring. It's just a stupid little piece of bent-up <laughs> wire, but uh, I've been able to uh, uh, work on the racing springs, so um, we've been fortunate and uh, had some really uh, nice products that we've made that go on a lot of the uh, top drag race guys, uh, pro stock cars, top fuel cars, uh, a lot of your everyday uh, street engines that are racing up and down uh, the road there are using uh, our springs that we've made. And uh, I've been pretty fortunate to work with, uh, oh, like a lot of the guys at KB Racing, Jason Lyne, Larry Morgan, Roy Johnson, and, uh, you know, been become pretty good friends with those guys too. So, you know, I kind of have a little bit of an unfair advantage because they've kind of helped me along the way about how to uh, try to uh, tune one of these cars and deal with all that stuff. Sure. I mean, one of one of the funny things when I first got into this top sportsman thing is like, you know, I really never thought I'd see tire shake. You know, it's like ah, that's something for those cars. You know, and I was only doing I don't know seven ten, seven twenty. I don't even think I was in the sixes yet. And uh, I had the car. Uh, I was launching. I think it was Norwalk, and all of a sudden, it just takes off and it just rattled and shook, and that it shook so hard it killed the power. Mm. Not the power switch off. So it just all of a sudden just kind of rattled and nothing. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got, I got a real crash course on tire shake and what do you got to do to fix it? And uh, some of those guys helped. And uh, that's been one of the coolest things. It's just such a learning experience as you start pushing things harder and more and how much little things matter. Right. And, uh, that's been, you know, pretty pretty cool there i mean it's the same way you know i guess kind of got uh, your question there but uh dealing with valve springs i mean that's the thing is you start going more and more rpm more and more lift um trying to get more and more life out of it it's the little things that matter you know just uh, how you set them up how close you run the coil bind and you know really really getting into all that uh nitty-gritty detail on that stuff which is it, really kind of fascinating once you get into it yeah well, it feels like we're, um, I, and I could be totally wrong, so feel free to correct me here. But I mean, it feels like, um, you know, we've we've made a lot of technical advances. I mean, is there is there anything that has come down real recently or is coming down the pipe in terms of technical advances in the spring category that you know could maybe help us get uh, rev a little higher? Um, 
in the past few years, there really hasn't been a whole lot of advancement. Um, the biggest advance or biggest issues is just getting material, getting parts. And, yeah. You know, uh, you know, getting hiring people, getting people to work, and uh, getting filling the demand has been the biggest challenge in the past uh, three or four years. But but before that, I mean, it was you know we were trying to make you know what's the uh, lightest weight spring, the highest natural frequencies. You know, it, it was a lot of fun working with pro stock guys, really trying to push, you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, 12,000 plus RPM on mm-hmm. a, a motor like what they run. So that was pretty cool. I mean, you know, we're always looking, you know, hey, is there new materials or new techniques, uh, new ways to process the parts? And uh, I mean, there's, there's always something out there, but, you know, you got to kind of balance that. With, you know, hey, can you really make it, you know, for thousands of people out there? So. That's always that uh, juggling act that you got to do. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it's it is pretty fascinating, and I'm sure you guys are like everybody else, really uh, struggling to get materials to make parts, and then you know to get them shipped and all that stuff. I mean, it just seems like it's uh, kind of a nightmare out there right now with, with all this stuff. Oh, it is. It, I mean, it's not just springs. I mean, you know, just trying to get the engine rebuilt this year. I mean, it's just trying to find gaskets and bearings and. Uh, nuts and bolts and just little odds and ends you wouldn't think you'd be stuck with and then you know it's like when you you realize you, you know hey if you finally get one you buy two because you don't know if you'll get another one so <laughs> right that probably, that probably just compounds the problem for everybody yeah um no that, that makes perfect sense and i will tell you another uh person that just had an absolute nightmare um and i'm i'm really happy for him this year but the person who puts together your pack racing springs race schedule uh, calendar every year. And I'm very lucky. Um, I have uh, the 2022 race schedule uh, in in my office. So I get to look and I get to see, you know, when the NHRA nationals, the PDRA, uh, et cetera, F1 events, all that stuff on this calendar. And it's great. But two years ago, what a nightmare because i mean everything was getting canceled and uh and i thought that poor person whoever's in charge of that <laughs> you know it's funny i started that oh probably 12 13 years ago something like that because we we're back in the day nobody really knew who pack racing springs were was so we were uh, going to a lot of races trying to meet a lot of people and uh you know, trying to put a schedule together with the NASCAR stuff and NHRA stuff and uh, all these different series. So I just put a calendar and, you know, started writing it all in. And then I had more and more people looking at it. And uh, it's like, you know what, how about we print that up? And then, uh, you know, it's been really nice. It's just every year we want to put more on it and it's more of a challenge. And you wouldn't think trying to figure out 365 days would be that tough, (laughs) but... It, it is. I mean, we how we've had uh, Christmas on the wrong day before. I think last year, I think we missed, uh, misplaced Christmas there. But uh, yeah, COVID really made it a big challenge. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just something we've kind of do for fun there. But uh, it is pretty useful for the whole year. That's for sure. Now it's helpful to me, and it's and it's awesome because your your car is on the calendar as well. So I get a, you know, uh, get a chance to check out your car. Uh, which is just a super cool 69 Camaro, um, you know, beautiful top sportsman car. And uh, so so I get double, double pleasure. I get information, plus I get to check out, uh, you know, cool race cars as well. Well, you know, when I was building that car, I figured the world needed another 69 Camaro. So, you know, <laughs> since, since we got another one out there, you might as well look at it. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not... 
you know what? I'm not even shy about it. Like I, I don't care. It's the, it's the best. Uh, you know that first gen is the best race car ever. So I don't even care. I mean, I think I mean, we, we, the more the better in terms of my, you know, in terms of my call. If it was my call, that's what I would say. It's just the more the better as far as that goes. But uh, um, do you well, have when, when you when you go to build a car when you're trying to make a decision which body style do you want to go with? That's one of the toughest things because once you're uh, once you buy that body, you're stuck with it for a long time. So it's, you better have something you really like. Right. Yeah, and we put so much time and money into these things, right? I mean, you you better have the version that you like, right? I mean, it's it's and when it comes down to it, it's a lot of time, energy, cash. Uh, so you whatever you're gonna do, um, you better do it and and really really enjoy it. So I mean, you know, if that's a car and and uh, it is for me, and I know it is for a lot of people, so I'm cool with it. I'm just cool with it, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a cool looking car. I mean, yeah. I got I get a lot of compliments on it, even though I don't even have a paint job on it yet. It's it's still just a primer with a few decals on it. But I had a lot of people go walk by and go, "Man, that's badass looking. That's badass." It's like, what do you mean? I don't even have a paint job yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the you know that matte black and uh, but it I mean it really does uh, you know it, it looks good and it's uh, you know I mean just uh, you know be be. That way by design. That's okay. Own it. It's good. Um, let me ask you this. Do you have any more calendars? I know we're in March, but I mean, uh, do we have more calendars or are we all out for this year? Uh, no, we probably got about, I don't know, 30 or 40 of them left. So, yeah, if you know somebody that's interested, you know, can you uh, get with me or uh, give you a shout? I can get to them somehow. Yeah, well, let's do this. Um, Chris, tell our listeners what's the best way to get a hold of you if they either need springs um, or if they if they just want a really cool race calendar to have for their office or shop, um, probably give us a shout on our uh, uh, phone line. There, it's eight. Um, I forgot the number. There. It's eight six six seven nine 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 four one seven. Eight six six. Say it one more time. Eight six six. Eight six six seven nine nine. Nine four one seven. That's it. Okay, and uh, yeah, you can call Chris if you need uh, need help with springs for your combination, and or if you want the coolest calendar, um, you know, around. Either one of those is uh, is good to do. But uh, Chris, what's the what's the plan for you this year in terms of racing? What do you got on schedule? Well, well, right now, I mean, the biggest thing is trying to get everything back together and running. And uh, hopefully next month we'll get out and test somewhere. And then uh, I want to hit the uh, Division Three stuff there at uh, Indy, Norwalk, Columbus. That stuff pretty hard. And, uh, you know, we'll throw, you know, one or two PDRA races that are close. Maybe that, uh, a few nationals that are close. Um, it's just really tough to get out. Especially this year is going to be really bad. With diesel's going to be, you know, who knows how expensive it, uh, uh, the summer goes on there. But... Um, yeah, we'll do a lot of the Midwest stuff. That's our plan right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, have you set any, uh, goals for the program or, you know, for, uh, or just, just go out and, uh, give it a shot and, and, um, you know, just keep improving on what you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, we kind of hit our major ones last year with running the 210 and the, getting in the 650s and we actually got a, a below a one second, uh, 60 foot time. So we kind of hit the major ones that I was able to, you know, that are, that are uh, achievable. 
But mm-hmm. uh, I think this year we just want to, you know, tighten up the package, try to get better reaction times, more consistent, you know, be able to, uh, you know, uh, tune to the track better. Yeah, that's a uh, man. That's the beauty of this thing is that, uh, you know, every every weekend gives you a new challenge and and you have to figure it out every weekend because what worked last weekend you know may or may not work this weekend so that's kind of the the beauty and the fun of it right oh my god that's probably the most fun is it's it's such a kind of like a chess it's like here's the board laid out in front of you and then there's so many ways you can move or you got to think about it and, you know analyze data um you know watch the weather, talk to other people. Um, it's so fascinating, you know, kind of the different ideas and where you think things may go. And then you're, you know, you're, you're, you're agonizing over what to dial. You know, it's really 10,000th of a second. You're agonizing over for hours and hours before right. that run. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it can drive you mad if you let it. Uh, but, uh, man, it, mostly it's just a boatload of fun. Oh, it is. I, I, I mean, it's, it's so much fun. I mean, it's, it's the people that you're around are just awesome. And the racing is so tight, so close. And, you know, and you're, you, you know, I mean, it's not like it's trivial, you know, you're going 200 plus mile an hour. It's, uh, you know, there's definitely, you got to have every, all your uh, ducks in a row there for sure. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just an absolute blast doing this stuff. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, giving us a great uh, calendar and uh, I wish you well this this uh, season, man. Go get them this year, and uh, and and come back and and report in on how we did at the end of the season, huh? Yeah, I would definitely do that. But hey, before I go, I just wanted to kind of give her a shout out, a thanks to uh, my girlfriend Angie. She's my kind of my crew chief and uh, uh, main help on all this stuff. She she does a tremendous amount, and uh, I couldn't do this without her. And also my mom and dad. They. Uh, they get out and, uh, you know, try to go as many races as they can and they're getting up there, but, uh, it's, it's so much fun having them, having them, having them there and celebrate when we do good. That's for sure. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's a man, when it's a family, uh, deal, that's, it, it makes it even more special when you do get some wind lights. I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. So, uh, congrats to you that you've got, uh, you know, a crew chief that, you know, is, um, you know, somebody you can you can kiss at night too. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's always good when you kiss. Your <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, best of luck this season. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, and uh, go, you know go get them, uh, guys, girls. Chris Osborne, if you need him. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. Ed Harney is your attorney for all your high-horsepower legal needs. Reach Ed at DragRaceLawyer.com. Guys, girls, we have NHRA national event action that just took place down in Gainesville for the Gator Nationals. Woo! It was a mess down there for a while. And man, by all accounts, the track prep crew did a modern day miracle in order to get the cars down the track. Uh, There was literally pictures of 
you know, uh, rain um, infested waters that uh, kind of creeping up to the pits, um, overflowing the ditches. And then there were, of course, gators making appearances. I mean, we don't call it the Gator Nationals for nothing, but that's how much water was around there. There's a great picture floating out there that uh, has a gator kind of hanging out about uh, 20 feet from one of the pro pits and really uh, pretty exciting stuff, I would say. Um, but, um, you know, that did, I'm sure, uh, hamper some of the action down there and probably had a few people bail, at least more than one people, uh, person for sure. But um, we did have top sportsman and top dragster action. And so let's walk you through that now. In top dragster, there were 17 cars. Your number one qualifier was Holden Larice. He goes 6'11", 2 at 230 miles an hour for the top spot. Uh, the, you know, of those 17 cars, 6'11", 2 is moving. And um, your winner, though, is Wayne Landry over Clint Riley in the final Wayne is 10 on the tree and three above to take the stripe by 10 thou for the win light in his second national event, Wally Parks Trophy. So congrats to Wayne Landry for winning top dragster down in Gainesville. On the top sportsman side, there were 11 cars. So a little lighter entry than what we would like down there, but given the rain, and all the issues and just the question on whether that event was even going to get in, um, man, you know, that that's good for those guys to hang out. And your number one qualifier was Lester Johnson. He goes 6.16.1 at, get this, 239.4 miles per hour. 239 going 6.16 flying absolutely flying uh, but your winner is alan firestone over fast freddie perkins alan with a reaction time advantage and leads fast freddie through for the win light and the wally that is his second top sportsman national event wally and alan seemingly like always gets off to a strong at least has in the last several years gotten off to a very strong start so I know it is uh, on Allen's mind about chasing the national championship for top sportsman, and he starts the season strong by winning down in Gainesville. Uh, there have also been a couple events in Division Two and Division Seven. Both of those divisions have two events in. Um, I will try to get you caught up next time. Um, there's also a Division One event. Um, in the NHRA side uh, upcoming up this weekend. So um, we'll try to get you cut up on all of those next week when uh, we bring you the Half Track Report. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one second and bring on a guy who actually I hope is going to stay in the groove while we talk with him from the performance racing industry, please welcome to the show, Tom Deary. Tom, how are you today, my man? Uh, outstanding, and uh, what a great day to be involved in racing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you are on the road as we speak, and I am very flattered that you take some time out of uh, the trip to talk with us. Uh, but just for the record, 
tell our listeners what you're up to today. Well, I'm in a uh, van uh, crossing America with the PRI content creating crew, a a group of five unbelievably professional uh, videographers and photographers and cinematographers as we uh, crisscross the country capturing uh, racing in its in its truest form, right at the grassroots, meeting and a lot of the people that are involved in it, visiting their places of business, and highlighting the the people of PRI. That that's pretty awesome stuff. Um, not something I'm capable of. Uh, I'm not nearly as creative as as what you and your crew are, but uh, but pretty fun actually getting um, you know. To the roots, I guess, and and seeing all of uh, motorsports has to offer right up and personal. That's correct. Uh, these guys have that uh, artist eye to catch the sport and the way that we all learn to love and appreciate it, and putting it to to video, to photography, and using the PRI vast social channels to spread out the uh, excitement of all the different types of racing across the country is really what makes this rewarding. It's uh, so cool to be able to do this. The people and the places that we visit is uh, they're all unique as, as is everybody or a lot of people in this sport. And that's what we're here to highlight and, and to share. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool stuff. Um, how, how does this uh, road show go? Like what's the, what's the tour um, or map, or you know, how do, how do we follow along with this thing? Well, that's, that's a great question. I'll give you a little history. The PRI Road Tour was started way back in 2020 when the uh, trade show was canceled because of, I don't know, some, something was going on, but <laughs> we had to cancel the trade show. And instead of just sitting back and saying, oh, my, uh, the PRI people got in the van and we're on the road for 70 days, visited over 100 exhibitors and capturing video and photography and letting everybody know that the sport was still alive. The PRI still loved everybody and we couldn't wait to get back to the 2021 show. Well, that was such a hit that we did it last year, the second version of PRI Road Tour. But our goal was to do iconic race events all across the country. Everything from wing sprint cars to street outlaws to um, drag racing. I mean, uh, the whole gamut, drifting. Uh, we've crisscrossed the country capturing uh, from, I even went to the heights of Pikes Peak to capture the types of racing. So that was a really exciting year. And now this year, we're back on the road with a mix of PRI cut, uh, exhibitors iconic race events, and also just people involved with PRI, the members, the people that make up the PRI family. We're going out to hear their story, to meet and greet them, and uh, bring it all to the PRI social channels. And that's how you communicate or watch it all, is make sure you're part of the PRI social channels, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, any one of the PRI platforms, the, the road tour is there, and we're, we're really happy. Now, if you're a PRI member, which we hope most people are, you get the first look at a lot of the, a lot of the uh, 
reels or videographs, uh, stories that we put together. So you want to make sure you're a PRI member so you can get that first look. Yeah, I will say this, Tom. I would I would guess that almost all of our listeners would because we talk about it on this show quite a bit, how important it is uh, for, a, for our community, our motorsports community to really bond together uh, because we know there are the issues out there from a legislative standpoint that need to be addressed. And so the really the only way we can attack that is to be together in a group. And that's exactly what PRI is doing. And uh, I, I couldn't love it more. Yeah, it's, uh, this, the, the whole basis of the PRI membership is the bringing together of the people, the like-minded that, that love motorsports, that support the sport. Our strongest advantage that we have is we have the capability and the bandwidth to work really hard in the advocacy side, whether that's to work hard to get the RPM Act passed through Congress, work with the racetracks, in many cases when they're dealing with local legislative or local groups with whether it be noise or other problems that they may have, working with our manufacturers and dealing with the little things that a lot of people never see that involve their the sport. And it, it could be as simple as tariffs on aluminum, or it could be the law that just passed. Uh, we finally, after, God, I think SEMA's been working on this for 10 years, but the, the low-volume uh, production uh, ability to be able to produce low-volume vehicles is uh, a, a big step of, of what that hard work puts together. And it's all that all the basis of that is all of us pushing together that's the that's the heart of it all and that's what pri membership is all about now that's that's fantastic and and when we boil it down most of us at least in the racing scene are low volume providers or producers and so you know when you're out on the road and you're you're making this tour um, th- this is who you're seeing for the most part. Um, talk to us a little bit about the, the map. I think you're in Florida now. Where where do you head from here? That's, it was uh, really exciting. We were Friday night. We were at the American Flat Track Motorcycle Races at Volusia Speedway Park. On a Saturday, we were down at Florida, Florida Sports Park, down in the southern part of Florida for the Swamp Buggy Races. Then yesterday, we visited... Uh, Titan Motorsports up in the Orlando area, uh, a great supporter of the sport and certainly one that does a lot of, uh, a lot of great things. And then today we were at BMP Performance in New Smyrna, Florida. Uh, talk about a great operation there and that, uh, and really know how to make a Mustang go fast. Those, that's the, the people who do that. We're on the road now. Tomorrow we're going to stop at, uh, in Milton, Florida at a dirt track, uh, oval track, uh, late model team that is pretty well known in the YouTube world called Hump the Front. And we're going to sit down with the family and find out about what it's all about, but more importantly, how they took their passion to YouTube and made it work. And it's going to be a great story. From there, we're off to Texas, to Baytown, to uh, Houston Motorsports Park for the Texas 2K, which is everybody in drag racing knows that's three days of wild, uh, heart to the Florida, pedal to the floor <laughs> drag racing, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. 
After that, we're going to go to Sam Tech uh, in the Houston area, which is one of the leading educational institutions for people who want to get in the machining part of motorsports or any, any automotive machining for that matter. And then we've got a couple other stops up in the Dallas area that uh, that's going to wrap up this leg of the tour. Tom, what that sounds like to me is an adult version of spring break. It sounds like you're just <laughs> driving around, um, you know, stopping to places that, you know, we would want to check out. Um, it sounds like a lot of fun. They're paying you for this? It, yeah, well, I, 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 I think I'm paying them, and I'd be happy to, <laughs> because uh, this, is, this just shows how PRI's commitment to the sport and especially last year when we visited all the different types of racing, it's incredible the amount, the different types of racing that happen in this country. We all have our own little personal silos that we, you know, know all about, whether it's drag racing or oval track or karting or uh, motorcycles, swamp buggies, UTVs. But when you look at it as a whole, as PRI does as the trade show for the industry and the, in the, the assembly of all the people involved in motorsports, it really is such a diverse, uh, passionate group of people. We all really have the same motivation. We love motorsports. We want to have fun. We want to do it as with our families. And uh, it's just great to be able to capture it and share it. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, and to, to that point, um, tell us a little bit about you know, your racing um, interests and background and, and how you got involved with PRI. Uh, it's very, very fortunate. Uh, I spent uh, the last 15 years it was the uh, with the World of Outlaws and World Racing Group, both the sprint cars, late models, and the big block modifieds up in uh, the Northeast. So I was involved in the um, operation of World Racing Group. Before that, I spent a couple of years at NASCAR being a uh, look, overseeing their weekly racing and regional touring program. But the roots come from a small quarter-mile oval track in Rockford, Illinois, where our family still operates the Speedway today. And it's, uh, you know, it's really the heart and soul of, of this whole industry. It's those, those small tracks, those family tracks, those family businesses, the small businesses that really make this whole thing hum. And that's, it's just such a, such an honor to be part of the PRI team that gets a chance to communicate with, to talk to, and certainly in the road tour case and all the other stuff that we do with PRI, whether it's through the magazine or through the PRI show itself, is to highlight all those great, great businesses that are involved in this great sport. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and th those are. Um... You know, that's what kind of keeps us all together is people that work really hard like like your family um, does and keeping these motorsports venues still going, you know, because it wasn't easy over the last couple of years. But um, I'm hopeful, at least I'm an optimist here that, uh, you know, people wanting to get outside helps the motorsports industry as a whole and, um, you know, hopefully drives people to our events that, so we can get out and um, you know, bring more eyeballs to motorsports in general. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is a sport that uh, has seen many, many ups and downs over the years, but it has a great ability to withstand and adapt 
and it certainly has that's what makes it so cool and and that's really you know when you think about it that's where pri really fits in because as a small or as a medium-sized or even a big business working all your all alone in in a market or in a business you can only do so many things but when we all come together and bring the totality of this industry together in one spot speaking with one voice this is a damn big business and it represents an unbelievable economic impact as well as the social impact of what we do providing entertainment providing fun providing a family-based activity all across this country so that that really is what you know, when I look at what PRI is, we're there, as we say, to build, promote, and protect the industry. You know, yes, we we've got to be there to do that. Now you're you're um, you're right, and it's and it's a good thing we have you guys. Um, so for our listeners, if there's just is one that's not a PRI member, and they want to just learn more and and get involved with um, either the pro membership or just a, a membership in general. What's the best way for them to uh, check that out and, and get involved and become a member? Well, the first thing is to check in to any of the PRI social media because you'll want to see some of the great things that we post there. If you're not already attached to one of those uh, one of those outlets, one of those platforms, you need to right away. But if, if, if you're not a member and whoever that one person is out there, we need you to step up today because the sport needs you. We need you to be to show your commitment to the sport, to raise your hand and say, you know what, racing is important to me, and it's so important that I'm willing to invest $40 for the pro membership or $250 for the champion membership. Or if you love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, like a bunch of us, you can become a founding member for $2,500 a year. But whatever your level is, you need to be part of it and just go to the PRI website, says right on there become a member performanceracing.com uh, it's and and join us join your friends let's get together let's have a big show in indianapolis this december and uh it's a great place to come together and and hang out with people that like what you do i love it that's uh that's um so so right and so so good i appreciate uh, your time tom and uh you know i want to uh wish you well on your trip travel safe and and thanks again for coming on um i'm I'm excited i'm excited to see what type of content you guys are going to push out there because uh i can't wait to check it out well it's i please do and uh whether it's on any one of the social channels make sure you do but i'll tell you what makes me excited is we've been to some race events already this season uh black track this weekend swamp buggy races over speed weeks to the events that were around Daytona. I, the crowds, the enthusiasm, the excitement is there. You know, let's keep this ball rolling. Let's let's make sure the world knows that motorsports is important to what we do. Become a member. Be right on the inside. Be an insider. Make sure you get your PRI membership. And uh, I know you won't regret it. I love it. Um, guys, girls, that is the great Tom Deary from the performance racing industry. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Tom. Hey, great to be here. Can't wait to talk again, and I know I'll be seeing you soon. Absolutely.
as we hit the mile per hour cone, we have to talk about what happened down in Gainesville this weekend. We already know about the Gators, but what also happened, which is going to last a little bit longer than that, is the fact that there were national event records broken down there in both pro stock and pro stock motorcycle. Uh, first off, Erica Enders goes 6.450 for the fastest elapsed time that has ever been recorded in pro stock history. Uh, previously, Jason Line ran a 6.455 back in March of 2015. Um, since then, we know that uh, the carburetors have come off. The fuel injection has gone on, and it took those teams a little while to figure out exactly how to get that done. But what happened down in Gainesville was the density altitude dropped. And I can tell you from experience, it is awesome. I have run down there when it was essentially the same DA, which is negative 800. Um, and um, it, when I did it, it was, it was awesome because... Uh, I didn't realize, man, what it was going to do. And it stood that car straight up in the air and had a little issue with the uh, headers after that. They were a little flatter than what we liked them um, after that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Pro Stock folks don't have that issue. Erica's group and that RJ car figured it out. And, man, it was on a pass. The whole group was fun to watch. Um, Aaron Stanfield was number one going 646.8. And man, um, you know, just just a, a really great class when the weather gets right like that. And uh, give the hats uh, off for Erica Enders. She goes the fastest time in the history of the class, 6.450. Uh, so congrats to her for owning that record. Um, then also on the pro stock bike side, Karen Stouffer and the white alligator racing group um she goes um 666.5 at 200.71 miles an hour uh so that is the quickest recorded pass um in pro stock bike history so a lot of records down there in gainesville um i've been a little bit of a part of it myself so i was uh, happy for them and uh kind of excited to see what they would do and uh, they did not disappoint the naturally aspirated group set records which i'm guessing will not be touched for the rest of the season i mean it's just you know the weather was right they um, took full advantage of it and rightfully so good for them all right let's bring this thing back in let's take a peek into the other lane let's do it let's take the stripe Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode episode number 94. And there it is. There's the wind light and AC, AC. Heck yes. Highway to hell. Nice. Nice job, producer Chris. You know what? It does kind of feel like that, doesn't it? It kind of feels a little like a highway to hell right now. Uh, nicely done. Um, guys, we had a great week this week. Uh, we had two tremendous guests on. We had Chris Osborne, a Division Three top sportsman standout. 
just an overall great dude. He came on and talked uh, top sports and racing with, which was great. And then, yes, and then uh, it feels like it. It does feel like it a little bit. Um, and then we had Tom Deary from PRI. He came on and talked about the road tour that PRI is having. Um, so those guys were fantastic. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Shane Wind from Australia. Shane has listened to every single episode of the Fast Brackets podcast. Nicely done, sir. Uh, keep it up. Um, if you have listened to every single episode, I want to know about it. Uh, so hit me up. Ian. You know how to do that. You can hit me up on the Facebook page using Messenger. You can check me out. Um pretty much uh, on uh, Facebook and whatnot. And you can also use the email fastbracketsatoutlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Please keep the rubber side down and travel safe. bone with the uh giraffe the size of a half a giraffe so when exactly are we going to start hearing about uh them registering the uh horsepower of cars or the power rating of cars in giraffe power yeah i hope a bit that, that's not going to happen chris that let's let's hope that never happens um i think the closest we could get to it is you know we could measure our trailer height by giraffes you know, if you just had a, a, a regular enclosed box, you just call it a half a giraffe. But if it was a stacker, you'd call it a full giraffe uh, size, I think. I mean, that's the best I can come up with. Um, that said, if we never measure anything by giraffes again in our lives, I think that'd be just fine.
Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double-adjustable shocks, complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.